music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. I'm hanging out with Fred Arbison and Kerry Brownstein from Portlandia. God, it's so great to see you again. It's great to see you too. Thanks for having us on the show. And yeah. by the way, thank you for like letting me be a part of one of the funniest, coolest, ironic, great shows that I love. So you, you were great. You were. You were. You, you were, were really great. in the show. Wait till you see it. You're yeah. in it. I can't wait to see it. You know. And the interesting thing, I mean, Fred, we talked about touch and go. We're standing there, but while we were doing the scene, but mm-hmm. talk about trench mouth and how you'd move there. And Carrie, I was a huge Slater Kinney fan. You know, thanks. And I, I've told people this. I, I played you on New York City radio at eight a.m. I had this thing called Matt Benville's iPod. Spin the iPod, and they pick a number. And mm-hmm. of course, uh, you know, I kind of moved it where it needed to go. Right. Right. But, <laughs> but. It was so cool to play your songs, and uh, Fred, you were trench mouth too. So good. Yeah. I want to know, like, I know you guys had that thing that you guys did. It was a kind of a comedy troupe thing you did together. Tell me, how you guys actually hooked up? Oh, just yeah. kind of had mutual friends. Janet Weiss, who's in Slater Kenny, I was friends with her since like nineteen ninety eight or something. Did she meet you when you were doing like your trench mouth thing or touch? Yeah, you? she seemed to just be in the mix yeah. of everything, and then. Through her, I met Carrie. I, just inv- I invited them all to come to SNL. They couldn't make the show, but they came to a party, and then we met there. Yeah, and we'd been kind of running in the same, you know, circles in terms of like tours. You know, we would have stayed on the same houses, the same punk houses. I remember going to Chicago. Fred, you were out of town, but I stayed. You stayed with Damon, I think. Yeah, with his roommate, and so it was always about that too, wasn't yeah. it? Like everybody hung with friends and slept on couches and floors yeah. and wherever. I mean, that was the DIY. The what we love, what we're a part of. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, it was like, we felt like we already knew each other and it was just a very fast and instant friendship. And I don't know why we didn't collaborate in music. It always just seemed like the videos were going to be the thing that we were going to do. And it was, the chemistry just was kind of in, innate. So it yeah. was really, it was really fun. I mean, your chemistry is amazing. How, for Portland, like, what was the Portland connection for you? Because your Olympia was probably more your background, right? But- yeah. Well, I went to college in Olympia and, Slater Kinney formed in Olympia, but I had already moved to Portland. I've been living there since 2001. And Fred just loves the Northwest. I mean, he loves sw- sweatshirts, layers, yeah. the cloudy skies. Yeah. By the way, if there's ever a job out there I want to move, I love it too. It's a brilliant place to be. It's so where nice. Else you, where else you can go to like that indie theater in Portland, like $5. Yeah. Sit there, eat, have a drink if you want to have a drink. But I'm watching The Imposter. I'm like, this is a really cool place to be, and that bookstore is the best. Pals. Yeah. Pals is like the greatest. And it's all my old friends who work there who used to live here. Like now they're like managing part of it there, and it's yeah. old friends. So you fell in love with that from touring? Yeah. Thing? And I don't fall in love with any place, really. I mean, or I anyone. like a lot of cities or anyone. I have no, <laughs> I have no love. Um, boy, that's more true than you'd, you, you would think. But uh, I just felt very comfortable there. There's a lot of places I love, but there I just like, I just like being there. I remember I stayed with Carrie, and I sort of walked down the street to get a cup of coffee, and immediately I was like, "Oh, this is the the place to be." Yeah, I mean, I I was only there for three days, but it was, I felt instantly in love with it and just yeah. the vibe of it. But it, but there's it also the it irony of it doesn't oh, wallow in its own pride. You know what yeah. I mean? It 
I feel like a lot of cities or some cities are very like, hey, guess where you are? And like, this yeah. is a hey, real. I'm in Brooklyn. I'm in Williamsburg. And can you, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there's a self-awareness. And I mean, Portland's a sensitive city. I think it does kind of examine itself. It's a thoughtful city. But it's not, yeah, it's not too prideful. It's not too self-conscious or contrived. It just, it feels pretty organic, the things that crop up there. Um, yeah, I love it. I mean, I've, but I've lived there my whole life. I'm so used to the sensibility of the Pacific Northwest. You did? Like you lived well, not in Portland, but in the, I grew up yeah. near Seattle and moved to Portland. So that's just, I'm so used to the landscape. I'm so used to the people there. Um, but I, I do love New York. I was, you know, when you yeah. walked in, I said, yeah. like, I'm I mean, it's my, glad to be I out of I live here and it's right my now. favorite city in the world. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I also I love New York. I, I, I will be the first one. I like have this kind of love-hate thing, which is, uh, mm-hmm. which is never hate, really. Right. You know, my daughter was... Born and, you know, like went to Catholic school on 14th Street and like, you know, like her bowling and Central Park running around my kid. It was, you know, New York City is one of the greatest cities of all, you know, in the world. Undeniably. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to leave, but if I had to, I'd go to Portland. Yeah. Well, what I do is I do both, you know. Yeah. You know what? So you should have my life. Fred, I was... um. You guys are like a little twinsied out right now. I'm just going to say. Yeah, I know. We're There's a little twinsy. We're, yeah. we're funny because, and <laughs> yeah. what was really funny is me and Fred were on the plane together and I'm like, you want to read my mojo? He goes, I got my mojo. We yeah. had each other's mojo. We had yeah. different mojo magazines. Yeah. The glasses, the gray shirts. But yeah, you guys are, just, you guys were just chatting. Matt yeah. and Fred were just chatting it up the whole time on set music. Yeah. That was so And you and I too. No, it was amazing. And with, um, Kurt and Tabitha as well. Like it was just this long, ongoing music conversation. Th- yeah, that you I remember. Had. I remember fantasizing that like your record collection must be the best in the world, and you're like, it's so big that it's in a storage space. It is. It's, <laughs> it was like, in two storage spaces. Geez. Except I brought a lot of it back to my house, and my girlfriend gets mad like once in a while. She's like, "Oh, you're on that vinyl kick tonight," and she loves the music too. She's totally into like now getting her car. She'll be playing the only ones, another girl on the planet mm-hmm. replacements unsatisfied mm-hmm. but she knows that when i get on that kick or like i'm all vinyl it's ridiculous yeah and i did it last night too i was i was in one of those moods playing vinyl and going through all that stuff and like pulling it out and going weird like eight by tens were you know that i never bought were in these records back from the time but i i love the vinyl thing and the seven inch thing too whatever it's not really about you know the Ritual, as it is, the songs itself and the music, right. you know, for me. I love it so much. But you guys, I mean, Fred, you played with Dinosaur Jr. the other night, right? Yeah. What a dream. You and Kevin Drew, right? Did you guys do the wagon together? No, no. Everyone did different songs together. Yeah. And with Jay Maskus, who's yeah. a friend of the show, uh, who's also on this season. He, he makes an is appearance. He? Yeah. You guys have the greatest guests ever yeah we're lucky we're so lucky yeah yeah just... i mean they, people come all the way out to portland to do it so it was me uh tommy stinson on bass and yeah. played drums uh and then uh it was this guy for the singer singer from cobra verde from cleveland ohio we did a stooges song and the whole time i just couldn't believe i was part of it because other songs you know kim gordon did a song and lee ronaldo it was Incredible. Frank well, you, Black, you were, what version of like TVI were you doing? Like the Stooges, the live Iggy the, album. What, yeah, yeah. The, that Iggy album TVI live is so badass. It, it's it's the it's the live version because the yeah. reason I, I know that after yeah. having done it, I was trying to compare like what the structure yeah. was. And stuff, that album's great because Bowie was also doing the keys on it. It was yeah. cool, but it was just hunting Tony Sales. It's a very simple, thrashy song. Yeah, 
it's a genius record, you know, it's such good stuff. It's funny, you know, I got, um, Jay Maskus came into the radio station that I was working at here in New York City, and I got him to, like, I said, listen, can you play Repulsion, which is the first song on that Homestead record he did, mm-hmm. you know, when he, Wayward Dinosaur, not Dinosaur Jr., but I love the song so much, and he actually played it, and you guys know, Jay's not the best interview, you know, he's very, very quiet, very simple. But he's a wonderful dude. He's a so great person. One of the I love him. People, he's yeah. one of my favorite much. people ever. Yeah. I love him dearly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a, such a good guy. I'm so glad that I, before I interviewed him for the first time, that I was already told, you know, Jay's quiet. He's, but mm-hmm. we talk about records. Yeah. And then he played Repulsion, which was one of the great. I got to ask you both something. Like, growing up, you grew up, like, D.C., moving to New York, all this stuff. No, no. I grew up in Long Island. Oh, you did? I'm Long from Island. here. I'm from New York. So I was wrong. So where in Long Island? Like, Valley Stream. You're Valley Stream? Mm-hmm. You and Ed Burns? And yeah. And like Rockville Center and Lindbrook yeah. and all that area? I used to come into the city to go record shopping. All right. So where'd you go? Where'd you buy records? Um, record Runner, which is closed yeah. now. Genius. Golden Disc, which is a different store now. Remember Golden Disc when the records were all so high up. You yeah. You couldn't necessarily the, reach The it. store now is, has a similar setup, but not like, like that. They had all the singles up. Yeah. All the seven inches. And... Record Runner was kind of downstairs. Uh, there's Rocks in Your Head. Yeah. And then Bleak, and Bleaker too. Bob's. And Bleaker Bob's. Obviously. Were, but Bob was always like, wanted wanted to confront you. and Yeah. And, and John DeSalvo from Tough Darts, who, you know, was the guy who, who was there. But And we'd save up money. Me and my friend, uh, Kenny Young, would save up, you know, $30, which was like a million dollars. Like, yeah. I have 30 <laughs> Dollars, thirty bucks, and you do the math. Singles, remember? So it's, it's, you know, picture discs, yeah, colored vinyl, and it would be like, okay, I've got five dollars for the Long Island Railroad. We're gonna t- take the train in. I got this much for the subway, and then like we have this amount left over for records. And a slice of pizza, yeah, room. or a, a burrito, yeah. slice of pizza or a burrito. Yeah, and um, do you remember that, those singles you bought back then? Of course. What were they? I gotta know. I mean, because I went to Bigger Robinson, but. California Uber Eyes with Man with the Dogs. And uh-huh. It was in a, a sleeve that was folded over. It was like the first alternative tentacles. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was like great. I had fresh, fresh fruit. I don't know if I got any singles, Dead Kennedy singles, but I got their albums. But stuff like Bow Wow Wow, a lot of British stuff. Yeah, I loved it too. Rich Kids, Ghost of Princes yeah. and Towers, I bought there. And of course, you know, and some Ultra Rock Sleepwalk and all this. Yeah. Like To us, you know, it was all punk. Yeah. So even stuff that what now looking back is like oh that yeah. wasn't punk but like altered images was punk to me yeah hey yeah. happy birthday I could be happy I yeah I love that stuff uh, so I got fun. we got all that stuff and yeah you I mean I love Clark that Kent stuff. yeah remember don't care if you yeah really green want vinyl it. yeah <laughs> and too cool to calypso yeah remember that stuff it's so great. remember it's like in my bones yeah I love that Devo stuff. Devo singles all the time oh yeah you know having uh, Jacko Homo Mongoloid and yeah. all that stuff. You know, I I know you guys. Obviously, you met everyone, so you probably heard the great story about like when they had to do satisfaction. Warner Brothers said you got to meet Mick Jagger, and he was coming meeting them in the office, and he was dancing around listening to version of Satisfaction. And they're like, "Why does he like our version?" And then later on, they go, "Because his manager told him that they could make a lot of money." <laughs> oh wow, this I did not know. Yeah, that is. It's a funny story, but wow. it's genius. <laughs> You know, and of course, residents did it, but whatever. At the end of the day, though, but Carrie, you are Slater Kinney, are one of my bands that I love so much. Thanks, Matt. You stood for, I don't really look at, you know, the whole dynamic of 
be anything, but but song wise, the songs were great. Thanks. And they were so much. I mean, they had so much love. I mean, they, I loved Sleater Kinney so much. I was yeah. obsessed with them, in yeah. a in a messed up way. Like, yeah. <laughs> I really listened. So is he the guy like who, who like you were like hey, might be a little bit of kind of a too much of a sucker friend. No, 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 not at all. I'm a Fred's nice guy. Best. I know you're but, a friend. Fred, I'm just kidding. No, no, you you're right. So like it's something to be. It could be you know border on that, but I just love the music so much. And when you listen to it now, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like any decade either. It's not yeah. like like well. It's just like it's its own music still. And that's why I love it too. Like if you put on Dig Me Out or any of those the records you guys did, it does sound like it's great in any time. And I love it. Like, I possessed. drive around listening to that and. You guys they're are all too po- nice. You they're all possessed by something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I actually think that's like something out, <laughs> some extra force that it's like, they they are possessed, although every single song. Yeah. Well, but it's nice. it's genius. It's, it's genius. Stuff. Hey, you guys I also don't know who's playing what. <laughs> because yeah, it's both it was guitars, kind of like a collective. I never know. Brain. Yeah. I, I, to like, this day, I'm always like. When Jenny was, when we were all hanging out like in Portland, it was so cool. Because I was like, I just I loved hanging out with you guys and we're just sitting there talking music, doing so the fun. show, but uh hanging out. That was one of my favorite days and I'm not just saying that. That was such an exciting day. That was great. You know, I mean MTV is so much a part of my youth and what informed my love of music and it was just such it was this mon we talk about it in the episode, but it was like this monolithic entity that really just that you know, you would turn to that show for yeah. what was new music news. I mean just before everything kind of got disseminated, and it's awesome now with like blogs and the websites and stuff. But it in high school it was just MTV. it was a reference. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. it was on MTV. Yeah. Oh, they made it onto MTV. Yeah. Yeah. That, so, just that. Just I mean, the network. That's why it was for me such a uh, amazing thing. And then what was so great is being in the episode with Kurt and Tabitha because they were just lovely, beautiful people that I yeah people who loved music but were also super smart that I could hang with. Those you know what I mean? So they were talking yeah. heads by any means, and you you could get that about us. Yeah. Oh, not at all. Yeah, we it, had so much love for the music. So yeah, it was such How, a privilege for us. I mean, I, I Kurt and I have been friends for years in Tabitha, but I, I we saw Tabitha. I'm like, she looked fantastic. I'm like, you look amazing. She was everyone's set crush. Our our DP. She looked beautiful. Yeah, every, right. Yeah. Honestly, because everyone you know, it's like it's like summer camp. You have like this big crew of people. Everyone's always like, who's your set crush today? It just changes. But when Tabitha came on set, everyone was just like, Oh my God, what a stunner. Yeah. Yeah. Charming too. And so smart. Yeah. She's just, yeah. She's got a great life. She's just so bright and cool. This is just the Tabitha. We love Tabitha. She got prettier. She was already pretty, but she got more I agree. I mean, I think she's absolutely like, what a babe. Like, what a a babe. You're you're like, Aging beautifully, like yeah. beyond no, like, yeah. whatever he wants. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So tell me, I mean, when you first did the first season, which was amazing, like obviously you and Jason were, you know, we're like friends from mm-hmm. the show, but then Steve Shammy, like everybody got involved. How was it when, when you first started going out and asking people to be a part of the show? Because it was just cool. I mean, a lot of it was luck. I mean, I, I feel like we owe a lot to Kyle McLaughlin, who really took a leap of faith. I mean, he came on when we were just doing a pilot. I mean, he knew Lauren, he knew Fred's work, he didn't know mine at all, the show was a gamble, and um, he was so game, so excited to be doing something that was edgy and weird again, really into creating a character, and I think he just lended 
this like feeling legit legitimacy to everything and people just followed suit i mean having lauren we all love twin peaks i mean yeah. obviously you know and he was amazing but the idea of like him going through the whole thing with you about you know we gotta have a song we gotta have yeah. a song that's about portland not about seattle we gotta like it was just so cool i mean it, his character was great yeah we just really lucked out i think people were just excited about the idea of doing this show where they could just come into this world and kind of play and create their own characters and we had Aubrey plaza and steve buscemi and jason i mean it was we were just so lucky i mean honestly like we didn't know how to explain to them what the show was yeah that first season was so exciting though and cool though like because it was that's what was so beautiful about it too. It was like you didn't necessarily know what it was, and you're watching it, and it was just cool. Yeah, From skit to skit, but more importantly, like this Bashemi oh. scene where you guys lock him in the, the like. It was he, great. Yeah, people were the most nervous, like to with Bashemi because he's. I mean, he's just such a great actor, and it that was very strange to just have this amazing actor that we've all watched in some of our favorite movies. Yeah, just here he yeah. was in Portland. He's so down to earth. I remember. When we wrapped that sketch, and he and his wife drove off in a like a really modest rental car, waved at us. They're like, "We're off to the beach." Like he's just such a regular guy, and yeah. he was. Everyone's just been so generous that comes on our show because, you know, it doesn't pay a lot. We all know? share one motorhome. You yeah. know, there's as you know, like it's yeah. it's not like you get your own dressing room. I mean, there's really nowhere to sit. Actually, I'd rather be in a dressing room hanging out with you two so I can like, pick your brain about <laughs> yeah. music and yeah. the show. Yeah. But, you know, which is why it was cool. Yeah. yeah. But Great every, for me. Everyone just seems game with that, you know, which is yeah. which is nice. But a lot of people were pulling from, like, the indie world. They're kind of used to these, like, labors of love and people doing things, because you know, without a lot of money, but because it's good material, so. Yeah. I'm talking about Johnny Marr being on the show. Oh, my gosh. Eddie Vedder, obviously. <laughs> Incredible. Tell me about the, how you asked Eddie or Johnny. Tell me about those two. She asked Eddie, and then Johnny was through John Chrysler, our director. He yeah. knew someone who was friends with him, and he is, is in Portland a lot, too. At the time, Because of been, Modest Mouse. Yeah, he'd been playing with you. Modest Mouse. He yeah. has a house there. Yeah. Yeah. Was, that was unreal. What a uh, That guy I loved. Yeah. And he's I mean, funny. He's yeah. really funny. He's got that great... He makes a lot of fun of himself. Yeah. I love his self-deprecating cool yeah. vibe. I mean, I've yeah. interviewed him for years. Over the years, you know, with Electronic and, you know, and the yeah. Smiths, who are one of my favorite bands. Of course, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. I always joke with people, they, go, they always get mad. They're like, oh, I'm like, I explain to them, like, oh, I was showing the Smiths. I saw them three times in one week, once at the Tower and two times at the Beacon. And they're like, and it's not a competition. It's like, it's not like, oh, I'm cool. Who gives a shit about that? I just loved Meet us murder and and the no, first you should record. brag and it is cool. No, I mean I was uh, I was Come just on, grateful to be No, you should you should brag about it. It's awesome. The funniest thing that happened with me at a Boomtown Rat Show was Andy Warhol thought I was such he I think he was laughing at me. He thought I was so humorous that he drove me to a party for the Boomtown Rats and my friend Jerry. What? I, yeah, personally driven. Andy yeah, in, in his, his limo. Oh, okay. I was he had a limo on the back of a palladium, and I went up to him because I was fearless as a kid, and I went, hey, Andy, I love that new Love You Live, that, that new cover you did for the Stones. He thought I was so fucking funny. He put me in the car service. We, me and my friend Jerry rode to this Boomtown Rats party. Oh, you have all the good stories. It's too funny. Isn't that shit fucking cool? Yeah, Andy Warhol. That's so bizarre. It is bizarre. Mm -hmm. I mean, but there's lots of stories to be told. But, you know, so... Fred, for you, what do you love growing up? Like, what records were your favorite things? You grew up in Long Island. It depends when, you know. Yeah, because uh, I love so many different styles of music. But I love rock, prog, punk, 
whatever. You and I talked about Yes, Carrie. Remember? Yeah. We were like, I was listening to Yes a lot this summer. The, the Yes albums were like, I love that record so much. But Their bass sound is so good. Yeah, yeah Chris Squire's bass is you sick. Could, it sounds like a, a nice crisp melody. It's, like, boom, boom. <laughs> you know, just, it's so crisp all the time. Yeah. He's really good. I know my favorite album is probably like Sandinista. Yeah. That is like the, the records, you know, I always compare them to something like that. Yeah. You know, three record, three three actual records and there's so much on it and they didn't how old fred how are you you had to be a young kid right when you got that did you get to see the, them at bonds early no i missed that yeah. i got to see them on the pier but i missed a lot of the punk stuff that i uh really loved i was like too late for yeah was, like just too young to have, have seen the jam or anything yeah. like that or oh, you just mentioned one of my favorite bands of all time yeah Weller's been up here and done this stuff with me. And he looks at me, he goes, he goes I can't believe we've known each other for 30 years. Mm. I go, only because I snuck backstage to meet you. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> I wanted to meet Weller. He's I love the amazing. jam. I want to get him on Portlandia somehow. Oh, me too. He, I bet he will do it. I yeah. love him. I mean, do you guys know? I'm going to connect you guys with his, okay. his people. I want him to play my love interest. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's one of the coolest like the guys coolest. ever, man. He's yeah. like the most handsome guy. Isn't and he it? still looks great. I mean, he he's literally the, was, I think, like the cutest guy in music. Yeah. But yeah. He's, he's also aged beautifully. Too. The Jam are just one of my favorite yeah. bands of yeah. all time. I also I was, loved, I love the Style Council. Mm-hmm. So did I. Yeah. Love my them. My first... I've had two divorces, but my first wedding song was "You're the Best Thing." Oh, that's obviously nice. it didn't work out that way, but it was my wedding song for my. First. That's a nice choice, though. Yeah, but it's a great song. The best thing in the world was my friend who died of AIDS. One of my great friends um, was a DJ that night. He was so fucked up. He started the record like in forty-five minutes. Classic DJ move, but it was. But yeah. I loved him. I was just. It was representative of. It was symbolic of your relationship. Of yep. the, yeah, it like, was. Whoops, we should have slowed down. Should have slowed, slowed down. down. Should have yeah. started slow. <laughs> yeah. So you, so you love the jam and that stuff too. I mean, yeah. How great Come is one? You know. Yeah. yeah. All Mod Cons was one of the albums that got me into punk. I mean, I had totally missed that it was already the early 90s i was in high school and i had this uh, a student teacher in chemistry you know so this is this guy that was like he i had just started kind of switching over from like kind of being popular but not you know cutting it as a popular kid to like dressing a little bit weirder getting into alternative stuff and he just came in one day with this jam record he's like this is this band i think you might like it if you're starting to listen to, to punk music and i just thought in my mind like well punk is like heavy and it's discordant and it doesn't have melody and then i just I hear the jam and it's just this catchy. And then you heard like t- like Mr. Clean, which was slow, and actually the, the, the David Watts and Butterfly Collector yeah. and all these great songs yeah. and you know this voice, but also this angular guitar. You know, like this juxtaposition between like yeah. this great melodic stuff and this cool angular guitar playing. And I because he loved did, it. he was like he attacked this guitar, which is what's so. But he sounded like he liked, he loved the guitar. He did. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't yeah. his enemy. No, it he, wasn't. The way like he, he used twelve strings a, once in a, a while was l- kind of like there's something like he, you could tell that he loved loves music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, he does. And, and the you guitar. Know, you know. And that album was a life changing album for me. One of my favorite records. Yeah, of it all was time. for me too because I just it opened up such a world to yeah. me. I realized. Oh, and also just the storytelling aspect of Paul Weller. You know. Yeah. Later reminded me so much of like Ray Davis. Where I was like, oh. right, who was his idol? I mean, Ray it, Davies. It, it was makes the king. So much sense. And, and the who thing that came through it. You know, if you, it, I love that record so much. Yeah. You know, it's funny. In the crowd, I actually got that a special edition of that record recently and watched the documentary. 
And Paul's still as funny as ever. I mean, his accent is the yeah. best. Yeah. He's got a serious We accent. were going up the elevator here. We're like to the to do my podcast when you're doing it. When right was here. this? About two months ago, he mm-hmm. came up. He does, we do something every time he comes to town. Mm-hmm. He and I are like, we became kind of locked friends mm-hmm. back when I was 18. I'll tell you a funny story. When I was a kid, I went to see them do uh, The Gift two times. I, before that, I saw sound effects. But I love those records, and I was such a jam fan. And I um, was DJing at a go-go bar. That was my first paid gig. People, were, Somebody told me yesterday, I was hosting, I'm doing all these Sandy Relief things for Jersey, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And somebody said to me, he goes, people are going to DJ go-go bar. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did. But the funny thing was, I did, Paul, two nights I saw the jam in a row at the Palladium, where I saw the Clash, where I saw everybody back in the day. And then I went, down to Trenton War Memorial. I snuck backstage, and I uh, he was impressed that I knew about his indie label, Res- Respond Records. You know mm-hmm. that thing he had? And I asked, can I record you for my college radio show? So I went down to Trenton, New Jersey, with a little tape recorder, cassette recorder. Nervous as shit, interviewing Paul. You know, like, cotton mouth. Really, you know. And he was so kind to me during rehearsals and his dad managed him and uh, I had to go home because I mean I, I didn't have a ticket for the show and I was supposed to be DJing at that place and Paul looks at me and goes are you going to the show tonight and I go well, well I don't have a ticket I'm supposed to work he goes we got you sorted man you're good mm-hmm. and his dad walks me in up to the second row just has me sit there and we're in his hotel room just eating pizza <laughs> which is ridiculous but Paul has been like we had this relationship for years that's, that's such awesome. a sweet story yeah I love stories like that yeah and always like it's just never it just reminds me like it always pays to be generous and compassionate with fans always yeah. you know like because that's such a make or break experience for a young person for me it was I mean like Paul wrote the lyrics to Tales from the Riverbank for my friend as we left the hotel room and and we hung out and you know, all those people that were kind to you when you were younger, that were in bands, it was, you know, it changes your life. It does. It really makes such a difference because when you meet somebody whom you idolize or look up to and they're not kind, I mean, it can just, it can be devastating and it can just create this sort of cynicism. Yeah. You know, that like the things you love might not actually have as much value as you thought or, you know, maybe, you, I don't know. It's just, it's so nice to meet someone and, and have that moment that's like feels very genuine. Yeah, and that's when, what, when oh. the Clash played at, at the pier, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, Fred. Fred, I want to um, hear your story. I've talked enough. My friends Danny and Kenny, we went to go see the Clash at the pier. This is for their Combat Rock tour. Yeah. And um, at the end of the show, the fans just waited outside this fence, and Cosmo Vinyl comes out and he just points to everyone. It was like, you, 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 come on back, and just get, they just brought everyone backstage. So that's we got awesome. to meet Joe Strummer and Paul Simonon, and that make makes you have a connection to the band. From then on, you're theirs forever. Yeah. You know. And the Clash are just one of the greatest oh. bands. They're just... Uh, yeah. Undoubtedly, yeah. So for you, Carrie, what was your... I mean, you're, you've are you really mastered the guitar. and But it's more about the soul of your songs. But with those two things, what were your things that you loved? The jam thing is so big for me because I love the jam. Right. And Omar Khan's one of my favorite records of all time. And this is not like... I'm not patronizing you guys. It really is. In fact, 
there's a documentary on all my cons, which I need to get to you. Yeah, I'd love to see that. I'm going to bring it tomorrow night. I'm going to copy it. I'm going to make a DVD copy and bring it to you. Yeah, I mean, for me, as a kid, I was, I mean, I grew up like in the, it was, you know, like late 80s. And so that was pop. So, I mean, I was just really listening to like all the classic late or mid and late 80s Madonna wham, Duran Duran. But then as I started veering away from that um, in high school, two things were going on. One was, you know, there was like a, a music scene in Seattle, but I was sort of younger than, you know, it was like the Fastbacks and Mudhoney and Nirvana. And that was definitely like an, the next generation like they were they were at least older and I was still in high school so I wasn't really part of that um but I was listening to it and trying to like sneak into shows in Seattle and see just like punk bands um and then there was all this stuff happening in Olympia and that was really interesting um you know it was beat happening I really liked and I liked unwound and carp and bikini kill so there was kind of current bands that I was listening to but at the same time I was going back and just discovering like, I wanted to know everything. I felt like I just had this insatiable appetite for, like, you know, if I listened to the jam, then all of a sudden it was like, okay, well, then there were the Buzzcocks, and then there was the Clash, and then in, you know, in the U.S. it was like, okay, well, if it's, you're going to listen to the Replacements, then you have to discover who's going to do. You know, it was just like yeah. this endless... Early like, Soul Asylum, like all that many Yeah, and like you just there. felt like you were kind of like filling in this map, you know, whether it was like geographically or whatnot um or i would just do these weird things like sometimes i would go by name like i just wanted to figure out every band like so it would be this associative thing like okay so there's the church and then who are ministry like obviously i didn't know <laughs> yeah, that right. they did sounded nothing alike but like their names were similar one like, australian band, one from chicago yeah right? and one yeah. like one very both, poppy both and cool though both cool okay. but you know it's like kind of in that pre-internet era like there was just you had to figure out ways of like linking things to each other so i would either do it by yeah geography or name or whatever and yeah, I just I would just go record shopping all the time. But I loved like the B fifty twos were like I loved Ricky Wilson's guitar playing. I loved the interplay of Kate and Cindy's vocals. I liked how catchy it was. Um, the Clash. I loved the Who. Um, Patti Smith. Television was a huge influence on Slater Kinney. Like when yeah. I just Richard Lloyd and Tom Verlaine's interlocking guitars were so interesting so cool. to me. Yeah. Have you and Richard hung out? Because he's actually... No, I've never met any of those guys. You have to meet Richard. Because right. he's actually one of the nicest guys. He will, like, cut the bullshit mm -hmm. from, like, the top. Like, you know, he'll, he'll go, Hilly never wanted rock in that place. It was like, there was piss falling down on our heads from the place on top of it, you know, whatever. But he's, he's a lovely guy. He's really cool. I mean, he's just character he yeah cool yeah i love, love to see him i have to introduce you to him okay great fred talk to me we you're so great all the stuff that you do i am so great your music thing was first with trench mouth and the stuff you're doing as a kid yeah i, I really considered myself a drummer that's what you wanted to do before any of the comedy thing yeah I mean, absolutely i love the drums i always i always wanted to play so i still get to play so it's a good thing when you did it with Dinosaur Jr. that night, was it the first time you guys had played? You'd played yeah. with them. Yeah, that, that must was... have been a big deal for you because we love those records, right? Yeah, how yeah. great a Dinosaur Jr. Yeah, I mean, now like my life is like I get to have little experiences like that. You know, I just get to play with heroes, so it's I feel lucky that I get to do it. When did you decide that you were going to do comedy, and who were the some of the people that you loved? Um, around I mean, 1998 or so, I just started doing comedy, sort of switched over, 
and it was much more rewarding. And the people I loved, I just varied, you know, you know, anywhere from people from on Saturday Night Live to Monty Python to like Martin Lawrence. Yeah. You know? I just admired all those people all the time. Do you ever hang out with the, like Upright Citizens Brigade people? I, I was a fan, but I never met them. I didn't meet Amy until I was at SNL. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing, but you like Monty Python and, and all that. Second yeah, City like many people. Yeah. SCTV. I think many people liked it. Yeah. I got to ask you about this because you're music people like I am. I love that Ruddles, the first mm -hmm. Ruddles thing, that the combination of Monty yeah. Python, SCTV, and... SNL did. I, I know it was the lowest rated thing on NBC's history, yet one of the coolest things in yeah, yeah. ever. Lauren, I think Lauren Michaels produced it. Yeah, who does your show? Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite things. It's great ever. So many good jokes in it. Yeah, it's so funny. And they got Paul Simon and Mick Jagger, and George and Harrison, George Harrison in it. Paul never got to you or to buy or Paul was very upset about it or, or didn't like Jagger's comments, but. Um, regardless, it's one of my favorite. I think if Paul was really upset, he would, you know. Yeah. But who knows? I can't speak for all those people. Yeah. People being upset about stuff. I think a lot of that is probably. You gotta make fun of yourself. You gotta be self-deprecating. No, but I'm saying like, I, I don't know that. I can't imagine that like Paul would be like truly upset. I think people get to a stage where they're like, things just happen and it's all fine. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, you yeah. gotta you gotta be able to laugh at yourself and and poke fun at yourself and and know when people are yeah yeah. And, and not but care, I, what, like, what I'm saying is, I'm sure he was fine about it. Yeah. You know? So it was probably bullshit that someone said. But, yeah, yeah. I think people yeah. like to make up like, oh, so and so was upset, but I'm sure it was fine. How do you guys break down like when you're doing the sketch? You, the two of you, and Jonathan, your producer, like, do you guys actually sit and go? Do you guys map out the shows? How do, how does it come down? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely written in advance in terms of story, character, you know, as, as much of an infrastructure as we can provide for ourselves. Because as you know, it's the dialogue is highly improvised. And if you don't have any scaffolding for that improv, I mean, we've done sketches that are underwritten and it's really hard, you know, where we just were like, what is the story? Where are we going? Like, you want to feel like there's an arc and you're kind of filling it in and getting to a certain place. So we, we definitely, we spend, you know, six to eight weeks writing before we start shooting and uh the more we've done the show we've realized we benefit from more detailed story and more detailed character because it just then it's easy then you get on a set and you can either deviate from that or not but at least you know where you're going yeah you have a structure like what was so cool about when we came in you guys that whole like where you're coaching us thing was almost completely ad-libbed we were just hanging out <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but we knew we had a scene where we're supposed to talk you into doing this or plan out the yeah. attack. Yeah, you great. still have goals and something yeah. at stake. And yeah, we always are trying to, you know, raise the stakes in the scene. And I think you have to think of that beforehand because if you get into a scene and you realize, oh, we didn't put any tension in this or stake, you know, those are yeah. things that we're kind of learning because first season it really just felt more like a, a sketch show and not as many like endings and stories. And then we realized, no, we really want there to just to feel like a, a real world with characters and stuff like that so yeah it's it makes the writing harder but it's ultimately more rewarding i think it's amazing i mean, i love the fact that you guys were doing that whole thing where like the guy's like i've been here longer than anybody and he's like got his little cubby hole mm. yeah <laughs> just, Glenn, just great our sound guy <laughs> yeah the, i mean it's just so cool and i also love the fact that it, you kind of like throw everyone into it like jonathan your director 
in the MTV scene. He's like the guy. He like, loves putting himself in stuff. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely everyone on board. You know, we use the crew a lot in, in the sketches, and it's always fun to just see these people that you work with and are really fond of, like, populate the show. And everyone has to kind of be a team player. It's a very communal feeling on set. I mean, I met, like, some of the people that were runners and everything from the show, and they were just, people were so nice and so cool. I mean, and everybody had a common goal to make yeah. love the show. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Fred, I, I was, uh, I talk about you. I tell people I'm like one of the hardest working guys in in the world because I talked about how you. It's very much like Belushi did during Animal House and going back to SNL, coming from Eugene, but you would do like everything and then fly back in a red eye and go to rehearsals yeah. and just go nonstop. And you and I reading our Mojo magazines yeah. till we pass out. Back and forth. I was commuting for a little while <laughs> between yeah, yeah. New York. So I so respect that and admire it, and, and I, you've got so you know. Well, I love doing it, so I feel lucky all the time. So you know, it's it's worth it. So we're going on season three, and there's some amazing guests too, and you've had incredible guests on the last two seasons. But when did you two decide like this was a concept that you guys wanted to do? I mean, it happened very much organically, where you know we were just making these little sketches. And, and these little videos, and they were sort of for our friends, and we eventually put them online. Were they on, like, Funny or Die or, like, My Dad One time, or any of those? But really, we just made our own website. It was under the moniker Thunder Ant. But before that, we would just... But Thunder Ant was the thing that you two started yeah. with, which was, you know, it was great. I mean, Thunder Ant was your thing. Yeah, yeah so it really... And then just, it moved into this, you know? That's, yeah. that's just what happened. I mean, it really just was so organic, and it just... It finally just seemed like, well, maybe this it has a shape to it. It has a sensibility to it. You know, how can we formalize that? And, uh, yeah, we wanted to get more ambitious about it, but we didn't know... You know, you never know. It's such a gamble, and, like, pilots rarely get picked up, and we just... We got really lucky. I mean, I've seen a cool network to be on, period, mm-hmm. regardless... But I love the fact that, you know, Lauren works with you guys and you and I, Lauren obviously have a relationship there. Yeah. So when you went to him, what do you, what, what do you say? Like, I, I got this idea for something. In a way, in its own way, you just kind of say like, what, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like asking someone, what do you think? What do you think of this? Yeah. And then it becomes a conversation. And then uh, he wanted to be, you know, part of it and help out with it. And it, it's really worked out for us. That's great. So you were you an LIR DRE fan like uh, out in Long Island? What did you listen to on the radio? Yeah, LIR and DRE, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. I loved yeah. it because you had the Cure and you had like. There's also a good college station. I think through Hofstra had a good one. Yeah. NYU had a good one. Yeah, NYU is great. It's funny, yeah. you know. He, um, the guys who do that, like Tim Summer, you know, he's done a lot yeah. of stuff. He did that noise the show and like um, all those guys, and he was spinning like we were at. The, we did a Bad Brains. Um, tribute with hr that were all these people were doing stuff with hr and then um and i got up and did it in the city which was cool awesome. like i did one jam song so cool. but we um it was funny because tim summers was was spinning and he was playing everything from 1980 and i was like oh my god it was like i was like you know 13 yeah. again it was cool you know yeah what a dream awesome. but it was great anyway listen I'm, I'm gonna let you guys go but i wanted to just say it was wonderful to have you here and I want to just say thank you for having me and Kurt and Tabitha in the show. Thank you. you. Thank really you, Matt. You're wonderful, and you're great on the show, and you're just you're great. Thank yeah, you. I mean, I love you both, and I'm I'm like love you back. To be a part of this was when I got the phone call, and I was asked to be a part of it. I was just like, wow. No, we love it you was, too. So thank you. 
All right. So thanks so much for doing the podcast today. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Bye-bye. This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.